Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 330 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Wendell Clark episode? Tell me about WC. Wendell Clark, outstanding hockey player most of his career for the Toronto Maple Leafs, scored 330 goals during his NHL career. Very few people know this, but he is the cousin of ESPN commentator Barry Melrose. Wendell Clark, y'all, is episode 330. Fan favorite in Pronto. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, and who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, let's get into the headlines of the day, the headlines of the weekend. Rom-com! John Rom wins the U.S. Open. If you tuned in with nine holes to play yesterday, as I did, to the NBC coverage, you saw sitting there in the lead was Bryson DeChambeau. Right on his heels, Rory McIlroy. You also had Louis Oosthuizen in the hunt. And John Rahm was down on the leaderboard at about minus three. Bryson DeChambeau imploded on the back nine. Three straight bogeys to take him out of contention. And then a triple bogey on 17 to add in, or excuse me, a quadruple bogey. He had a snowman on 17 to add insult to injury. Rory McIlroy couldn't hit a putt to save his life on the back nine. So it winds up being Rom and Oosthuizen along the top of the leaderboard. Rom goes to 17 and hits a 25-foot putt that breaks from left to right and puts it right in the middle of the cup. So he takes a one-stroke lead. Then he goes to 18. He's sitting there looking at about an 18-footer. This one's got a nice break to it, too. And he drains that one. In the 121-year history of the U.S. Open, nobody has ever hit birdies on 17 and 18. Really? To win. Hmm. But John Rahm did. So now Louis Oosthuizen goes to 18. He's two off the pace. On Saturday, Oosthuizen eagled this hole but he pulls his drive a little bit and puts it into the fescue at Torrey Pines and then in hitting out of that he's probably instead of being on the green as he was Saturday he's about 68 yards from the hole what's a fescue it's it's the rough it's a longer grass okay so he has to hit out of the rough which means he can't get it to the green he's about 68 yards from the hole 
tries to hit a pitching wedge in and draw it back into the hole. Couldn't do it. Wound up birdieing the hole and finishing second. But John Rahm, the dashing 26-year-old Spaniard who went to Arizona State, met his wife Kelly there. They have since had a child together, and he celebrates his first Father's Day by winning the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Here's the other part of the story. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. John Rahm had the lead at the Memorial Tournament after three rounds. He had a six-stroke lead at the Memorial Tournament after three rounds. And somebody came out to him and said, you failed your COVID test, you don't get to play round four. So just two weeks later, he goes and wins the U.S. Open. And he said afterwards, he said, I'm a big believer in karma, and I felt because I had a bad point there, something good was going to come along. Mm. I didn't know it was going to be this quickly. But played very well, very consistently over the weekend when everybody else seemed to just have a terrible back nine. It was not, it was not a good day for watching golf because there wasn't a whole lot of shot making going on. There was a whole lot of shot missing. What's the next big uh, outing? Next big major for golf will be the British Open. Okay. And that'll be next month over in, I don't know whether it's in England or Scotland. Somewhere year. British? Somewhere British, yes. <laughs> somewhere on the somewhere on the British Isles. Okay. Uh, but congratulations to John Rahm, his first major, and he wins it at the site of his first PGA Tour win, Torrey Pines, which is a, a beautiful course down San Diego way. I have a confession to make to you. Yes. Saturday night was the first time I've ever watched Kevin Durant play basketball. Okay. I've never watched him play. Your thoughts? He is a clutch shot guy. He has a size 18 shoe, and they look about eight pounds each. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to work on that for him. And he just, uh, he just has no emotion. I just see him listening to his coach, looking at his other players, Every now and then a smile or whatever, but just a, a very stoic individual. And P.S. He's really good. Yeah. What did you think of that game? Did you watch the watch or, the whole? Well, we got home at much nine o'clock. Yeah. So the, the the second half. I. Uh, By the way, this is Brooklyn and Milwaukee for those who were uninitiated. I enjoy me some Giannis Antetokounmpo. I enjoy watching him play. Um, I recognized some of the names of the Brooklyn Nets. I, I thought it was a, a, a great game all the way down to, into overtime. I and, enjoyed it. And in the extra session, Brooklyn actually has a two-point lead at one point. Mm-hmm. And Giannis works Durant, backs him down into the lane, and hits, what, about an eight-foot baby hook shot to tie it up. And then I think it's Chris Middleton, because everybody's expecting Giannis to get the ball again. And Chris Middleton... It's a step-back jumper to give Milwaukee the lead. Durant had hit a huge three-pointer at the end of regulation to huge. tie it and force overtime. Or Actually, no, it's a two-pointer. In fact, it was mentioned. You mentioned his size 18 shoe. Yeah, his foot was on the line. If he's wearing a size 16, Nets win that game Yeah, in regulation. So as it is, they trail by two. Durant takes... A three-pointer because James Harden wasn't doing anything down the stretch. Kyrie's hurt. 
You're not going to go to Blake Griffin. I mean, there's just nothing else on that Brooklyn team. So Durant tries to take the the game-winning three, airballs it, and the Milwaukee Bucks wind up winning game seven, 115-111, and knocking out the number one seed in the East. The number one seed in the West had already lost. The Clippers had knocked them out. So now Milwaukee's sitting there, and most people expect Milwaukee to be playing Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference Finals. But nobody bothered to tell the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> who in this series went into Philadelphia and won three of the four games in Philadelphia to win this series four games to three. Only the second time the Hawks have been to the Eastern Conference Finals, the other time was when they had Dominique Wilkins back in the 80s, and that was a heck of a series with Boston. I remember that one. It was like 86 or 87. But uh, it's been a long time for the Atlanta Hawks. And again, I'm sorry to bring this up, Pacers fans, but you had Nate McMillan as your head coach. And you chose to let him go because somebody in management said, it couldn't be the terrible personnel that we've put on the Pacers. It's got to be Nate McMillan's fault that we can't get out of the playoffs. And then Nate McMillan goes to Atlanta, and the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. When was the last time this happened that we hear Atlanta in this storyline? Uh, like I said. 30? 35 years? Yeah. Like I said. Like I said. So I love, by the way, that Pat Connaughton's on this Buck team. I love that. Love seeing him play. How much did he play Saturday night? I, I mean, he was in there. 15, 18 minutes probably. Name got mentioned quite a bit. Yeah. He did some stuff. Yeah. Oh, he had a key tap out on the rebound that Chris Middleton eventually put in for the game-winning bucket. So he does some things for the Bucks. He's not just the hype man on the sidelines, although a lot of people see him that way. Mm-hmm. He does play a pivotal role on the Bucks coming off the bench. But it's Milwaukee and Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals. Raise your hand if you had that one <laughs> penciled in. I don't see any hands. So help me out with the math, Chuck. Those two teams start playing this week sometime. They Probably tomorrow. And the other teams have already been decided. Well, the Western Conference got underway last night. Now, the NBA will make sure. So the Western Conference probably won't resume, I'm guessing, until Wednesday. The NBA would like to stagger these and have one game a night if they can. Okay. So Clippers, Suns on the West Coast. Clippers, Suns on the West Coast. Suns won yesterday, 120 to 114. Even without Chris Paul, who allegedly was texting people behind the bench to give instructions during the game because he's out with the NBA health protocols with COVID. But they didn't need him yesterday. Devin Booker, triple-double, 40 points, 13 boards, 11 assists. Monty Williams has himself a really good team. I couldn't be happier for Monty Williams, who, of course, we saw play at Notre Dame. Another Notre Dame guy. Had to sit out with some heart problems. I got an internship for myself at WNDU Sports, and look what look what he's turned that internship into. <laughs> yes, that's it's a it's a highlighted area on the resume. Exactly. I'm sure, exactly. 
but couldn't be happier for Motti. The Phoenix has been a long-suffering team. I know when they had Charles Barkley and Dan Marley, they got to the NBA Finals against the Bulls, but that's that's kids, been a while. that's back in the nineties. Someone right now is going. Charles Barkley played basketball. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> there's some wonderful SD footage of that around somewhere. <laughs> but that's that's 25 years ago since the Suns have been really good, mm-hmm. and good to see them back in the fray. And of course, the Clippers have never been to an NBA Finals either. So this is as unpredictable an NBA playoff as we have seen, and maybe that's good for the league. You know, I will grant you that the the big stars, the LeBrons, the Steph Currys, and all that are on the sidelines, but maybe it's good for the league to get some of these fresher faces out there. Because they're going to be around for a while as these other ones are on the downward slope. I mean, Trey Young has had a terrific NBA playoff for Atlanta. You mentioned Giannis. You like watching him play. Of course, the Suns have one of the veterans in Chris Paul, but Devin Booker is a guy that really hasn't had a lot of pub because he plays out west. And then, of course, the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George. Nice. So that's the NBA update. Saturday, as a part of the Father's Day celebration, you attended a game at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field, a place that you will now be banned from because of the Cub performance <laughs> on Saturday. Ooh. However, here on the rundown, it says Corey's Wrigley experience. So I got emotional walking into the park. Really? Yeah, just 100% capacity. I'm glad I'm at a sporting event with my favorite people. Uh, went up to our seats. My wife took care of uh, the tickets. She didn't ask my opinion. This one, she wanted well, this to be her project. Why, why start now? <laughs> and uh, I told you where our seats were. We were in the 400s right in the front row there, so there was nobody in front of us, and we had a great day. Now, the Cubs played horribly, like Bad News Bears horribly. There was just some, what in the world is happening on the uh, field? Rizzo had a terrible week. Jake Just got awful. yanked in the third or fourth inning from pitching? Yeah. Well, because he wasn't getting anybody out. Just horrible. And uh, I did see the uh, the beer snake cup uh, thing. That was very exciting. Very exciting. That was probably the most exciting part of Saturday's game. You know what I saw a lot of as well? Justin Fields merchandise and shirts. A lot. Of, I saw a shirt that said Soldier Fields, and they had a picture oh, of him. Yeah? I saw a lot of that walking around. I think Chicago's very excited about that young man. But I love a Wrigley game, dinner at uh, Lou Malnati's over on Lincoln, and then we got home to watch basketball. Cubs can't hit right now. Is that what it is? They, uh, they've they had, I believe, four or maybe even five straight games with four hits or less. Five straight games. They're two and three in those games because the pitching, when it's good, has been really good. And if you're going to have bad pitching performance, why waste a bunch of hits, I guess? But Marlins can hit, apparently. No, well, Adam Duvall can hit. Let me tell you something. My Adam Duvall story. When Notre Dame, when I first started doing Notre Dame baseball, we went to Louisville. And Louisville and Notre Dame were still in the Big East at that time. And they were the big dogs in the Big East. And Louisville's got a wonderful collegiate facility. And the fans come out. And Adam Duvall was an outfielder on a Louisville team, and he was somewhat overshadowed. They had some some guys with bigger reputations. 
But Duvall hit not one, not two, but three home runs on a Sunday afternoon against the Irish, who came back to win that game on Golden Tate's only collegiate home run. And Notre Dame won it 11-10. But, boy, Duvall was the kind of player that just, you knew he was going to be good. I didn't know he was going to stick around the majors for as long as he did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you knew he was going to be good. Man, did he torch the Cubs over the weekend. Two homers on Friday, two homers on Saturday. But somehow the Cubs, who have only won twice in the last, what, seven games, are still atop the National League Central because up until the last couple of days, Milwaukee was in the tank. They snapped a five-game losing streak coming from behind on Saturday, and then they beat the Rockies 7-6 to six on Sunday. But you can tell in looking at the Cubs lineup right now, Corey, they're not making a lot of contact. They're they're swinging and missing an awful lot. Mm -hmm. And they miss Nico Horner and Matt Duffy. Now, who would have thought at the beginning of the year that Nico Horner and Matt Duffy would be so important to the Cubs lineup? But, man, did they really miss him. I would throw in a Patrick Wisdom as well on Saturday. That guy can hit. He can. He's just not hitting enough. Nobody is hitting enough. Ian Happ for the month of June, is hitting about 100. Yeah. Jason Hayward, well, they yanked him from the game yesterday, finally. I mean, he hasn't been worth a bag of beans. He was bad on Saturday. Yeah. So, right now, the Cubs have got to figure out some things with hitting. The White Sox went down to Houston. My friend Dwayne, who is a regular Sports Jack listener, engaged Steve Stone on Twitter last week and basically tried to make the argument that the White Sox are good because the division is bad. And Stoney wanted no part of that and, you know, basically belittled Dwayne. And then the White Sox went to Houston and played somebody good and lost four straight. And to be honest, none of those four games were, well, there was a 2-1 game in there. But three of the four games were non-competitive. The Astros swing the bat probably as well as anybody. And I know they're playing at home, and I know you're all thinking, yeah, they were banging trash cans and everything. The Sox had no chance. I don't think that's still going on. There there might be some shenanigans going on, but I, I don't think trash can gate is still going on. I think the White That's a Sox pretty bold move if it is. <laughs> just got their heads handed to them. Yeah. And they've lost four straight to start this road trip, a key road trip in their season. And all of a sudden, when it looked like they were ready to put Cleveland in the rearview mirror and sprint off with the AL Central title, lo and behold, the Indians are only two and a half games off the pace. So the Sox still have some work to do. I will say this, they're banged up. They're they're probably even more banged up than the Cubs. You look at their outfield, they've lost four outfielders. Luis Robert. Eloy Jimenez, Adam Eaton, and Nick Madrigal, all on the IL. Uh, they, But the pitching staff is not banged up, and the pitching staff got rocked in Houston over the weekend. So that's going to be something that Tony La Russa and his coaches have to look at. Is this a cause for concern, or in a 162-game season, are you going to have a four-game blip like this? But one thing is for sure, the Houston Astros flex their muscles 
a little bit over the weekend. What does it say on the rundown next? The Tigers exist. That is true. (laughs) They do. Okay, thank you. I don't know that anybody tunes into this show for Tiger Talk. Nope. Uh, however, I will say they won yesterday, 5-3. Miguel Cabrera, a couple of RBI. Shohei Otani with his 23rd home run of the season. The Asian sensation who also pitches for the Angels was not pitching in the game yesterday, but he has 23 homers and then is the sometime starting pitcher for Joe Madden's team. A couple of other baseball notes from yesterday. I want to give a shout-out to a couple of ND alums. Trey Mancini hit two homers yesterday. He now has 100 for his career. Trey's uncle, Denny, works at the Pentagon and still texts me because he used to listen to me when I called Trey's games at Notre Dame. So we have a nice little... You have texting from the Pentagon happening? text, Text relationship. Is that a secure landline? And... The, the funny thing is, so Denny texted me yesterday on, on Home Run 99 and alerted me to the fact that during the Home Run call, the Orioles play-by-play announcer, Scott Garceau, said, Happy Father's Day, Tony, as Trey is rounding the bases for a Father's Day home run. Then he shows me a copy of the text that Trey's dad sent him. Scott Garceau wished me a Happy Father's Day. He is my Chuck. Wow. I I don't know if I should take that as good or bad. (laughs) He is my Chuck. So, but congratulations. Take it as good. I will. Congratulations to Trey, who, as we've reflected upon in this show before, overcoming colon cancer last year, missed the entire season back, and he will likely be, I have to think that he will be the Orioles' all-star selection this year and 100 career home runs nothing to be sneezed at i guarantee yes you're a long way behind barry bonds and hank aaron but still not that many guys who have played major league baseball can say they've had 100 homers in their career i love that story and then matt veerling who played for the irish well as recently he was on the last team that i called he hit a home run in the last game i called for Notre Dame baseball in 2018 was drafted that summer by the Phillies in the fifth round. He got called up over the weekend. Saturday, his first major league at bat was as a pinch hitter. He gets a base hit to right field. And then yesterday, his first time up, he gets a base hit. And I put out on our Irish group text, two for two in the big leagues, stop now. Just walk <laughs> off the field and quit. But Matt Vierling, congratulations on your first big league hits and hopefully there will be many more for him and the Phillies and did you see the way that the A's Yankees game ended yesterday I did not Araldus Chapman remember him from the World Series team with the Cubs mm-hmm. he's with the Yankees now he's their closer he's in trouble in the ninth there's runners on first and second round ball to third that's one to second for two to first and that's a game ending triple play Oof. against Oakland to win it 2-1. That's a lot of speed and on-the-money. On-the-money throws. Uh, oh. I'll have to go check that out, that highlight. So the game-ending triple play by the Yankees yesterday. I'm not sure that's ever happened before in a major league game, a game ending on a triple play. Well, we talked about this a couple episodes back. Bears looking at some real estate in Arlington, uh, a racehorse, a race course. Uh, the mayor has responded 
to said news of a possible way down the road move for Chicago. Well, you know, as we mentioned on Friday's show, to a certain extent, this would be seen by most as a, a negotiating ploy by the Bears. And look, I will admit... Because ultimately, the city gets a ton of money from Soldier Field. Right. And a ton of money from the Bears playing there. So I will admit, I'm not the biggest Lori Lightfoot fan. I see a lot of flaws in Chicago. I didn't like her policy allowing only journalists of color to interview her, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But man, did she... <laughs> she came at the Bears with a vengeance over the weekend. I'm going to read you the statement from Mayor Lightfoot on the Bears' bid to buy Arlington Racecourse. Our city is home to some of the world's finest sports teams who have played a vital role in the city's reopening. As part of the city's recovery, many organizations are doubling down on their commitment to Chicago, and we expect the Chicago Bears to follow suit. The Bears are locked into a lease at Soldier Field until 2033. In addition, this announcement from the Bears comes in the midst of negotiations for improvements of Soldier Field. This is clearly a negotiating tactic that the Bears have used before. As a season ticket holder and longtime Bears fan, I am committed to keeping the Chicago name in our football team. And like most Bears fans, we want the organization to focus on putting a winning team on the field, beating the Packers finally and being relevant past October. <laughs> Everything else is noise. Wow. Now, wherever you feel about Mayor Lightfoot politic on the political spectrum, put that aside and give her a standing <laughs> ovation for that response to Bears management <laughs> because... Ladies and gentlemen, you don't need to visit Kenny Rogers Roasters. The roasting has been done right there. <laughs> Being relevant past October. Wow. Wow, wow, we wow. Your thoughts on the statement? Well, um, <laughs> they're probably what a lot of Bears fans are saying. And uh, even though they're kind of like, we'll show her, she says it. And they're all like, well, she's got a point. She does. She's got a point. And the fact they're locked in. The now. Let's face it. it, if the money's good enough, you can get yourself out of any lease. I don't care if you're talking your apartment or Soldier Field. Uh, and I, as I explained on Friday's show, the move would make some sense for the Bears. It would. It would make a lot of sense. But Would you become the Arlington Bears? No. no. You'd still be the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Hey, look, uh, the New York Giants play in New Jersey. Yeah. I mean... You don't have to. You don't necessarily have to change your name based on the city you're in. They would be the Chicago Bears. Last time you went to a Bears game in Soldier Field? Oh my gosh, a Bears game in Soldier Field? Probably ninety four, ninety five. I used to. I used to go up there on Sundays to cover them for WNDU, and. I think in 94, Notre Dame opened the season against Northwestern. It was Ron Paulus's first game as quarterback. I remember that. I was there. And I took my wife along, and 
or no, this would have been, wouldn't have been 94. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was 94. I took my wife along, and uh, she got to stand on the sidelines with me covering the Bears game that day. Chris Zorich gave me a high five coming off, and I think my hand has not been the same uh, <laughs> since. I saw you tweet about this. High school season has ended. Wow. What a what a year for high school sports around here. Lakeshore and Buchanan uh, ended the season for us on Saturday. Lakeshore baseball and Buchanan softball both finishing as state runner-ups. Uh, the Lancers wound up in facing a buzzsaw in Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and OLSM gets the 9-0 win in the state championship game. Heartbreaker for Buchanan. They had a 1-0 lead, wind up losing 2-1 to Richmond. But that puts the cap on the 2020-21 season for high school sports. And I just felt yesterday, everybody who has been involved from the administrators, principals, athletic directors, secretaries, whomever in the office, to coaches, players, parents, everybody who's had to run the gamut in this. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as the year went along, it got easier. But you think back to the beginning of the fall, you think back to our season opener at TV 46 changing three times before we finally got it on the air. Uh, What a wild ride this was. And kudos to the IHSAA, as one of our listeners pointed out when Paul Neidig was on, he pointed out Indiana was the only state that started every sport on time and finished every high school sport on time Hmm. in the entire 50 states. Michigan recovered, but... Boy, it was, you know, for those Michigan teams, especially the football teams, finishing up in January. And some of them, like Lakeshore, pulling out of the tournament because we can't expect this of our kids. The basketball season being condensed. Uh, I can't imagine what Wearing a mask during game play. Wearing a mask during game play for the kids up in Michigan. Uh, Officials wearing masks during games, but, you know, you, you, you're supposed to wear a mask and blow a whistle at the same time. That's a neat trick. Uh, just <laughs> just all the hoops that people had to go through. But it's important. It's important for our kids' mental health, I think, to be able to have these kinds of activities. It's nice to live in a, in a world where you should say, well, getting your education should be, and yes, getting your education should be the most important thing. But really, what keeps a lot of these kids motivated to continue to get their education is the opportunity to participate in high school sports. Mm -hmm. Whether we're televising them or not, I mean, I I like to think that we're part of that experience, but it's not about us. It's It's about the athletes, and it's about making sure that kids have an opportunity to compete because I guarantee you there are as many lessons being learned between 3.30 and 5.30 or at 7 o'clock on a Friday night as there are between 8 and 3. And that's not a knock on teachers. It's just when people are engaged, they tend to learn more. You can't dismiss that things aren't being learned, life lessons. Right. The, hey, hard work, you're getting up at 6 a.m. to run cross country in the summer. That's how it works. How to, how to compete, how to learn to deal with disappointment yeah. and defeat, and how to learn how to handle victory in a 
proper way too. Those are all all kinds of lessons learned through athletics, and I'm just happy that the kids in Indiana and eventually in Michigan had the chance to experience that in 2020-21. So a tip of the cap to all those involved. I stumbled across a movie about two weeks ago with my wife. Do you remember Wimbledon? You remember that movie? Yeah. And uh, it's like a, a no-name who's who's all of a sudden working his way through Wimbledon and doing really well. And uh, his dad would watch up in a tree fort on an old black and white TV. And uh, it started bringing the family together. And all these fans are rallying around him. And his dad said something that was really great. It was like, watching you play reminded me of uh, a bunch of things. But it was good for dad's mental health to see his son do what he did. Right. I thought that's that's kind of that's how I feel when I watch my son play limited minutes or whatever. The fact that he's participating and doing something does something for me. Sure. You know? Oh, I mean, I was I was very probably overly engaged when my kids played, but the fact of the matter is it it's good to see them have opportunities not only to learn athletic skills or show athletic prowess. It's not about getting scholarships. It's just about competing. Do you miss I'm, that, by the way? Them playing? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that there's a time for every season unto life. Okay. <laughs> and, it ran its course. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Mary, you know, who knows if she'll coach any teams at the elementary school that she's at. Mm-hmm. If she does, probably go watch her coach. But I don't. I don't necessarily need to see them compete athletically anymore. Okay. You're you're in a different season of life. So for you, you know, you're still getting the opportunity right now to see Caleb participate. I I do hope that as Caleb's getting ready for school to move to high school, mm-hmm. uh, and we haven't talked about this off the air, so I'll spring it to you on the air. <laughs> I I hope that he'll consider competing in cross country. Yeah. Because I think it would be good for him, if only because you get to meet that many more kids before the first day of school. Yes, that's that was the big selling point. Uh, you you did say something to me about that uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, if only just to have an arsenal of friends by your side first day, as opposed to who are all these people? Because you're going into a school of thirty five hundred people. It's a big place. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Crowded hallway. Your your buds who were with you in middle school might not be in your classes anymore. Yeah, and it's nice to at least know some friendly faces. Yeah, two other middle schools are funneling into that high school. Yeah, all those folks. Quick one hit wonder update: Macarena leading the charge over "You Light Up My Life." Big surprise. Not at all. Bad Day by Daniel Powder, a true one-hit wonder, over Unbelievable by EMF. Really? 51% to 49%. Is that one finished? It's finished. Yes. Final results. And then uh, last week, Come On Eileen over Undercover Angel. Yeah, that was an easy call. So we're in in the Sweet 16 now. Are we? Round three, yeah. Very exciting. All right. Overrated, underrated. I made two notes on your sheet. I, I don't think we've done either one of these fellows before, mm-hmm. have we? We have not. Let me begin with the fact that over the weekend, while you were watching The Great Outdoors with John Candy, I was watching a movie that came out a few years ago, I think, called 13 Hours, about the Benghazi attacks. 
and the star with John Krasinski. With John Krasinski, which led to me putting on today's <laughs> overrated, underrated John Krasinski. I would say right now, underrated. Thought he was great on The Office. I thought he's fantastic as uh, Jack Ryan right. on Amazon, season one more than season two. 13 Hours I thought was okay, but the pressure of the story got to me of just like, oh my gosh, get them out of there, yeah. you know? And uh, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2, the guy can direct a movie. Really? Yes, he can. Now, see, I haven't seen that part, but I I admire anybody that can flex the comedic chops that he showed in the office mm-hmm. with, and granted, he had more of the deadpan character. It's not like he's the Steve Carell. He was more of the guy. common man in the office, and he, the rest of them were just character, like right, over right. the top. He's kind of the straight man among this circus. circus. <laughs> but to to flex his comedic chops into dramatic roles yeah. as he has, and now behind the camera, I agree with you. That's that's underrated to have that kind of ability and flexibility. Have, and, and you know, he made quite a splash with his uh, pandemic uh, little show. Some good news was outstanding. I mean, the numbers uh, were insane. We all looked forward to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the office. The office is one of those shows that has somewhat of a cult following, and it's shown, you know, in other things. I mean, the podcast that. The ladies of the office has huge is is huge, huge right now. <clears throat> did you uh, did you like thirteen hours? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, that it's intense. It is. <laughs> wow. Now I will admit I dozed a little bit under the embassy attack, but apparently some other people did too. <laughs> What's that second name on the list? <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Literally last Friday, I watched a new movie trailer. Nicholas Cage in a new movie coming out this fall called Pig. Pig. Okay. And you know what they did at the beginning of it? They went to they showed him, then they went to black and it said Academy Award winner Nicholas Cage. Yeah, he is. Do you know how long ago he won that Academy Award? Twenty five years. Uh, it was leaving Las Vegas. Uh, uh, let's well, ask. get out the Google machine, the same one that we used to what look up. What year did Leaving Las Vegas come out? The same one that we used to look up the Granger population on Friday. 1995. See? I was right. Yeah. 25, 26 years. He's made some weird movies since yeah. then. He's I'm, a weird dude. He's a weird dude. There's a there's a, uh, a either a tweet or a TikTok of him coming out on a talk show just doing flips. and I'm going to go overrate it. I'm going to go overrated. I thought the picture from the Marlins yesterday looked a lot like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I would agree with you. I think he's overrated. I, I, Not that I haven't enjoyed many of his movies. And I will tell you that Raising Arizona is an underrated movie. But I think Nicolas Cage had his time in the 90s. He's He's been living off that Academy Award Kind of like Harry Oliver lived off of one kick at Nerd Aim, that kick against Michigan. Um, Good I, Nicolas Cage movies. Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Do you like The Rock? I did like The Rock, but I don't know that that's all because of Nicolas Cage. When you say The Rock, I associate it with Sean Connery. How about uh, National Treasure? Do you like that one? It's okay. It's okay. 
It's okay. Conair. <laughs> that, that's that's when he uh, that's when he started. Yeah, that's when he jumped the, the shark. field and do some yeah. things. Uh, I can't think of anything else that uh, I love. He in, uh, was he in Moonstruck? He was. Was yeah. Cher? With Cher, who won an Academy Award, I believe, right. for that movie. And I, I thought he was good in that, too. I mm-hmm. mean, she carried that movie, but I thought he was good. I, Ni- 90s, I thought Nicolas Cage was really good. Yeah. And that's face like, off. And that's like, face off. what are we going to do with him? <laughs> He'll take anything these days. Yeah. For example, pig. Pig. Someone has stole his truffle pig, and he wants no. it back. Mm-hmm. How terrible. You're on Twitter, right? Oh, I am at 46 Sports. We're still awaiting word. We have not heard yay or nay on the blue check mark from the folks at Twitter. I'm sure they're very busy. They're very, very busy. I'm on Twitter as well. My name is Corey Sportsiak with two Ks. You can follow along right now with the One Hit Wonder Voting Championship. It's getting really exciting. Until next time, everybody. (laughs) Ooga Luga Wendell Clark put the biscuit in the basket. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.